Hey guys, I'm Camilla. Uh, the first reading tonight is Psalm 130, and it's on page 614 of the Pew Bibles. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Therefore you are feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More then watchmen wait for the morning. Oh, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. This is the word of the Lord. Hi, my name is Maddie, and I'll be doing the second reading this evening. And that comes from the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1, verses 2 to 10. And in my pew Bible, it's on page 1,169. So 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1, starting at verse 2. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work, Produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, in spite of severe suffering you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Oh, well, good day, everyone. For those of you that don't know, me, for those of you that don't know me, um, my name is Ben Staunton. I'm one of the volunteer student ministers here, um, and I've been coming here about two and a half months now. So, a special welcome if this is your first night as well. I remember very freshly what it's like to be the first night in a new church, so welcome. Um, I moved down here from Armidale, which is a place about six hours north. Generally people know it either for the university or for being a really cold spot that you've stopped on your way to Brisbane or something. Well, so I grew up there, spent about the last 30 years there, uh, and when I grew up I was a little, little bit of a rat bag at times, especially to my sister. Um, she's two years younger and she'd be sort of the shadow that would follow me around at different stages. And I remember one time uh, Sometimes I'd heard her deliberately, other times it was not deliberate. But so sometimes uh, when I was accidentally just trying to do my thing, she would just be there and get in the way. 
And so this one summer, I remember we had a dam. I grew up on 10 acres, big hobby farm. Um, and our ball went onto the dam. And so I was like, oh, I can get this. I must have been about 10, thinking I could do it, whatever. So I went and got this big fence paling. And I was like, I'll just hit it off the dam. It'll be fine. So I took this massive swing, skimmed the top of the ball, my follow-through, smack, hit my sister in the arm. Cried tears. Her arm was okay in the end. Praise God, thought I'd broken it. Um, but, you know, I felt guilty then, a little pang of guilt. It was an, not deliberate, but I felt a little bit bad. So we have these little moments right, from growing up all the way through where we have these moments of little pangs of guilt where we do things and bad things end up happening or we eat that piece of chocolate cake we shouldn't have eaten because I'm on a diet or whatever, all these sort of things. But then there's also times when I can look back uh, and I can see actually there's been times where I've felt really guilty. Um, I can think about times uh, since I was a Christian, I became a Christian my first year of university, and, and I remember times uh, living with people and really hurting them. You know, I, I don't know if you guys have shared houses with people, but flatmates have a special place in your heart. Um, they can be loved and hated at the same time. But there was times where I can think back, um, I had little dips of depression as well, and so that made me even nastier at times, where, where I would have a flatmate in tears because I was just being a jerk. And I realised that then, once I saw how much I hurt them, and I'd feel bad about it for a long time. So how, how do you guys deal with guilt? Uh, guilt's a big issue, and, and how we deal with it uh, is an important one. And so I reckon there are some different ways. As I look back over my life, I've tried to deal with it different ways. Um, firstly, I think I had this view when I was in primary school. I went through a religious school, and the first idea I sort of got about guilt was that I sort of had to even it out. So if I got in trouble, I had to be extra nice the next day. Or if I, um, if I accidentally hit a kid, then I had to be really nice to the other kid, or something like that. This idea that if guilt, I need to earn it, earn it back to even, and then I'm okay. In high school, I think, early high school, I just tried to ignore it. I'd just do what I wanted. And then if, if my conscience was there going, don't do that, Ben, I'd be like, shut up. And then I'd just push through. And then as things in life, I guess, got messier and more complex, I think I tried to forget it. I tried to think about, I tried to forget about how I'd hurt people. Uh, and in later high school, that was drinking and drugs and just escapism in trying to go, I don't want to feel anything bad. Um, and then lastly, I think after I was a Christian, my real struggle became that I would just feel bad for ages about it. I would deal with guilt by just carrying it around with me. And it would just be like this big shadow or this big backpack of guilt. Well, the cool thing is we get tonight to see how we can deal with guilt well and how we can deal with it in God's way rather than all these different ways that actually don't end up dealing with guilt at all. So please open your Bibles again if you haven't, uh, if, if you've closed them up because it's really important that you check what I say against what God says in his word. It's page 614 uh, in the, the, the Pew Bibles. And I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get stuck into Psalm 130. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you that we can meet together as your people. Thank you that you are a God who loves us and wants to speak to us through your word. Thank you that it is living and active. And Lord, we pray that as we look at Psalm 130, you'll help these guys to listen to me uh, and understand your truth and that you'll help me to be clear and faithful um, as I do it. And above all, Lord, help all of us here uh, to be ready not just to understand it with our minds, but to apply it with our hearts with the help of your Holy Spirit. Uh, thank you for Jesus and thanks that we can pray in his name. Amen. Okay, so Psalm 130, it's a really neat little psalm. 
And the Psalms is like this book, this, this collection of um, poems or songs that a bunch of different people have written. It's in the Old Testament, uh, and it's a great, it's a great insight into human emotion. Um, I love it because it, it just takes you through the highs and the lows of life, and that's why a lot of people love reading through the Psalms every year and stuff because it just addresses everything. Well, this one I think fits neat, pretty neatly into three sections. You've got the first section, which is verses one to three, which is how the psalmist is feeling, the guy writing it, how he feels. Then you've got uh, the next section, four to six, which is then him saying what he actually knows the truth to be, which can be different to how he feels. And then lastly, in verses uh, nine, uh, sorry, seven and eight, he says he, he has his call for everyone to respond to this truth that he's shared. So we're just going to look at each of those three sections, and hopefully we'll get to see in each section how we respond rightly to guilt. So the first bit there we have is, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, keep a record of, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? Um, now, Camille did a great job of trying to capture some of the emotion of it. Often, I reckon, as we read the Bible, we, we, we kind of want to make it clear and understandable, and so we remove the emotion when we read it. But I think when you look at this, this guy, he's crying out to God. It's not just a little light reading. It's not one of his little pangs of guilt that he might have done something wrong at one point. Because where's he saying this? Where's he crying out from? He's crying out of the depths, the depths of despair, the depths, this image of, uh, this image of being down in the deep with the ocean all around you. He's crying out to God because he feels so overwhelmed by his guilt before him. So he's, right, he's really calling out from a dark place. And so where, and where does he call out? I think this is one of the great first things we can see is when he's down and out, what does he do? He calls out to God. It's easy, I reckon, for us to think that we need to only say nice things to God. Like I think that's when I first became a Christian. I was like, God just wants to hear it when I'm praising him or when I'm saying thanks for this or maybe if I'm asking for something that's in line with his will. He, like he doesn't really want to know the, the bad side of things. But we see here he wants to know. Our God, our Heavenly Father, actually cares about how we're feeling. And so the first thing that the psalmist does is actually acknowledges how he feels. He calls out to God. And the first thing about responding to guilt is to talk to God about it. And you see there, he, he sees that it's God really that's the one you've got to talk to about guilt. In verse 3 there, If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? If God keeps a record of our sins, we're in a bit of trouble. It's a bit like I taught uh, scripture for six months, one of the hardest jobs I've ever done, high school scripture. Um, all you high school teachers out there, I have a whole lot more respect for you. Um, but, you know, I, would, I tried all these different class management techniques, and one of them was you write the kid's name on the board. And then you're like, okay, if your name's on the board, that's one minute of detention. And if I'm going to put another dash up there every time you're naughty. Stephen? Yo. But, you know, if, imagine if God did that for us every time we did, or did something wrong or we didn't do something right. What would our whiteboards look like? It'd be Ben, dash, 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 and then that's just, just getting out of bed in the morning. You know, I don't want to get up. But, you know, if God kept a record of our wrongs, it, who could stand? Who could stand before God and say, that list is going to be pretty empty, actually, God. I've done pretty well with my life. None of us. 
And the psalmist knows that. He knows that if God is there watching him, keeping a record of his wrongs, he's in a lot of trouble. So as we respond to God and talk to God about it, and we're real about it, we see that we can be real about that as well. God, I've stuffed up. God, I've sinned against you as well as against these people I care about. So that's the first section. Is he's just pouring out his heart to God, chatting to God. The next section is then where he kind of comes back to what he knows is the truth about God. So there's a big but there in verse 4. But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. The great thing is that God doesn't leave it at a naughty list or a whiteboard or or blackboard filled with strokes. He actually offers forgiveness. In you there is forgiveness. Therefore you are feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in your word I put my hope. Now I think it's important, excuse me, it's important to actually talk about hope there. Because the way that we as a society use the word hope these days is actually really different to the way that the Bible uses the word hope. When we use the word hope, we make it sort of like it's wishful thinking. So it's what I'd like to happen, but I'm not really sure if it'll happen. You know, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow when I go to the beach. Or I hope my car makes it from here to the coast. Or I hope I don't get in trouble at uni today. You know, it's all these, it's, it's this wishful thinking, it's this uncertainty, we're not sure what's going on, and so we say, we hope. But when the Bible uses hope, when God uses the word hope in his word, it's actually more of a, I have hope because I know. I have a solid hope because I know the truth. So he has this hope, this certainty, because he knows that in God there is forgiveness. So he's not saying, I hope God forgives me, but I don't know if he's going to. What he's saying is, I have confidence and I have hope because I know he does forgive me. And you see there that as he says he's waiting for the Lord, is he kind of ambivalent about whether God does something? How much is he waiting? More than watchmen wait for the morning. And he says it again, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Now, I've never been in the army. I don't think I'd be very good in the army. But, you know, if you're on sentry duty and you have to stay up all night keeping watch, how much do you think you're looking forward to the dawn, ride, to the dawn rising? A fair bit. I just think about the movies. And, you know, it's always the sentries, the guys that are on watch, that get picked off first, too. You know, it's not a good choice. So, it's, first of all, you're just trying to stay awake all night, which would be a battle for me in itself. But then also, that when the day breaks, it actually means that yeah, my village hasn't been raided. There's actually be a sigh of relief that no one has attacked me in the night. And he's saying, I wait for the Lord more than that guy is waiting for that sun to come up over the horizon. He's hanging out for it. He's hanging out for God to act. And he's, he's saying that he knows what God's like. He knows there's forgiveness. He knows he has hope. But he doesn't really know the full picture of it yet. So we get the privilege, we fast forward a few thousand years to live after Jesus. And we had that reading from Thessalonians. I'm just going to read out the last um, verse and a half again. This is 1 Thessalonians 1.10, um, 1.9b and 
They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. So as we fast forward a few thousand years, we see that actually we are the same. We're waiting for God. We have this cool position now where we can look back and see what we're actually waiting for. We're waiting for his son from heaven, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. We celebrated a few weeks ago with Easter. Jesus died so that we could be forgiven. And he came back to life to show us it's true. And you see it there in those verses. That there, he's talking, Paul's talking to this church in Thessalonica, saying that people are talking about how you've changed, how you've gone from serving dead things to serving the living God, to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who, comes, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Wrath is one of those sort of Christian words we use, and you know, it's God's judgment, it's his anger at that, that sin problem we talked about earlier. And I don't know about you guys, but as I think about the idea of waiting for Jesus to return, I'm like, well, what does that mean? Because if I'm talking about guilt and I'm talking about feeling really down, what does it mean? Why would I look forward to Jesus coming back? Well, because he's forgiven us. When he returns, he's going to put everything right. And that rightness is actually me knowing where I fully stand with God. Me not having to feel guilty anymore because I'm not doing dumb stuff anymore. And I'm not thinking dumb stuff and I'm not saying dumb stuff and I'm actually doing a whole lot of good stuff. Now what do you guys think about when you think of waiting? I was thinking, it's thinking back to my time. I worked as an accountant. I studied accounting at uni. Um, basically I wanted to be filthy rich when I was at high school. So I picked accounting and then I became a Christian and realised I didn't like accounting and I didn't want to be as filthy rich anymore. But by that stage, it was too late. I was working in Dubbo, hub of the West, uh, and I was working for an accounting firm there, and I hated it. Uh, My personality type, I did a little personality test once, and one of the things, the worst job for me is accounting. (laughs) So I would go into the office, and I'd sit there, and I'd look at my computer, and I'd save $10 on someone's tax return, and then I'd go. It just didn't suit me. I need to engage with people and feel like I'm actually relating and stuff. Um, I have other friends that love accounting, so I don't want to slag off accounting because it's a great job for others. But, you know, when I was at work, as soon as I got there, I'd be waiting for work to finish. I'd be like, okay, I had to, I had to charge things in six-minute blocks. I had, my timesheet was in six-minute blocks. And generally, if anything you don't do, you just, if anything it's not chargeable, you put down as admin. So I'd be like, how much admin can I get away with today? But, you know, so I'd be hanging out for the end of the day. I'd be waiting for that. Or I'd be waiting for the weekend. I'd be thinking about, what am I going to be doing? Oh, yes, this is going to help me get through knowing that on the weekend I don't have to wear a shirt and tie. I can wear trackies and a hoodie. And then even better than that is when I was waiting for holidays. Yes, I've got a week and a half off. I'm going on a camp. There's a, there's a study camp I used, to run, I used to help out on, and it would be the highlight of my year, and I'd be looking forward to it. I was waiting for what I knew was going to happen And so that helped me to get through the stuff I didn't like. And it's the same here. We know that Jesus is coming back and he's going to rescue us from ourselves and from this world. And so we can live with an excitement, not because things are going well here, but in whatever they're doing here, 
we can actually look forward to that. And so we're living a waiting life. So our second response to guilt then, we acknowledge it to God, and then we have hope in the Lord that he is forgiving us and that we are waiting for him to return. And remember, that hope is not wishy-washy. It's I have certain hope that God has forgiven me in Christ. Lastly, our third section, uh, this last couple of verses, and this is another great one. I just, I love, like I say, I love the Psalms and how much of an insight they are. And you see this, this guy, the guy writing the Psalm, he goes, everything's going horribly, but God, you're so good. And then the last one, he's like, everyone, you should know this. He's all excited, or he's excited or he's hanging out for it. Oh, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. So the psalmist, the guy writing Psalms, he's talking to Israel, God's people back then. Once again, we're fast-forwarded a couple thousand years, and we know that when Jesus came down to earth, he blew it out of the water, and it wasn't just Israel that God was saying, I want to know and love. It was everyone. Thankfully for me, because I don't know that I've got any Jewish heritage, I might have some, but it doesn't matter. Because now the message of God, the message of the gospel, is for everyone. It explodes. Everyone, put your hope in the Lord. Everyone, the Lord is unfailing in his love. Everyone, with him there is full redemption. He will redeem Israel from all their sins. Now, redemption is that idea of buying back, like buying back a slave. It's a cost that actually buys freedom. And in Christ, in his death, is the price that buys our freedom. How awesome is that? The psalmist had no idea how it was going to play out. And yet we have this privileged position to look back and go, it, paid out, it, it played out in the most costly price ever in Jesus' death. So our third step in how we respond to guilt, is actually to see how cool it is what God's done for us with our guilt and to tell other people about it. How excited are we when I realise that I don't have to feel guilty about the stuff I've, I've done wrong? I need to acknowledge it and talk to God about it and ask for his forgiveness, but then you know what? He forgives me. And that's something that everyone should know. So in conclusion, how do you deal with your guilt? We want to deal with our guilt well. So if you're a Christian, if you trust Jesus, have a think about it. Do I talk to God first, have hope in the Lord's forgiveness and waiting for him second, and recognise how amazing this is and share it with others? If you're not sure about whether you trust Jesus or not, have a think about how the other ways that we deal with guilt and how effective they are. And I'd encourage you to have a think about and really check out these claims of God and Jesus about dealing with this problem of guilt. So the right way to deal with guilt is to put our hope in the Lord's unfailing love and in his full redemption of us. How awesome is that? So have a bit of a think about that and I'm just going to pray to finish up now. Father God, thank you for Psalm 130. Thank you just for how cool it is to see how the psalmist thinks through and then talks through uh, your truth. Thank you that he's real with you and honest about his struggles. Thank you that he can also point out the truth that he knows about you with your unfailing love and your full redemption. And thank you that then he wants to tell others about it and to call on other people to trust in that as well. 
Father, please help each of us to think through how we deal with guilt and help us to be able to deal with guilt well um, by talking with you about it and trusting you with it and wanting to share it. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that we live after him and so we can look back and see how you have dealt with it all in his death and resurrection. And thank you that because of that we can pray with confidence in Jesus' name. Amen.